so I didn't go through treatment like we're gonna beat this and like ring the bell. I went through everything like, okay, well, you're still alive today, and like, what can you do? And so I could research and I could educate myself and I could handle that and I could spend time with the people I loved and I could, you know, do yoga and, and exercise and move. And I just took it like piece by piece. I'm an optimistic person, but I was not optimistic about it. I was like nervous. I was scared. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,200 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $25 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the March Towards a Cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast and a very big hello to today's guest, one of my all-time favorite people, Nikki the Animal <laughs> Joyal. Hi, Nikki. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Full disclosure, I was Nikki's coach for her Haymakers match. So Nikki and I have some history. So part of what she'll be telling you is how much of an amazing an incredible coach I am, which is absolutely necessary to be gone over. So my first question to you is, how did you hear about Haymakers for Hope? I didn't really know a lot about Haymakers until 2015. Lara Villalobos was fighting in the Bells, and she joined right when I was sick. So I was, I was diagnosed in March of 2015. And then Laura joined you guys like in June. So part of her reason to fight was for me. Um, so I knew her journey and I followed her through it, donated. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And if you've ever met Laura, she is like the quietest, sweetest yoga teacher that you've ever met. And picturing her in a fight was like, what? oh my God, I was like, nervous for her. Um, but I, I was so honored that she would do something like that. It felt like special. So I followed her journey while I was fighting my own fight with cancer. And so I said, after her fight, after I watched her on YouTube, I was like, what? she was like insane. She did so well. I was like, if I'm ever strong enough and healthy enough to do this, I'm going to do it. And then I, I actually don't remember applying. I feel like I got an email and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And like, I don't know. I must have been like lapse of judgment. And then I forgot about it. Right. Because then I got pregnant and then like life happened. And so I had followed a little bit of Haymakers, but like I actually never thought it would actually happen for me. So I followed it. I loved it. I loved the charity, but I, I didn't really see me being a fighter coming. So you didn't know you applied, but didn't remember applying. No. Okay. So I applied and I, I literally couldn't tell you what I wrote in it. I mean, after the chemo, my mind was like shot. And then I had a, a young child. Lily was like four months old when I got sick. So I think I applied in like 2016. So you got to think I was like a year out, but I was like full of piss and vinegar because I was like doing all these things. And I was like, I'm going to do all these charities and I'm going to like 
show people they can come back. And so I applied, totally forgot about it. So when Julie called me, I was like, um, who? Like what? And she was like, you have 24 hours because like we had a bell drop out. And I was like, like what? And I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old at the time. Um, so yes, I completely forgot. I was like in being a parent at that point. We also had somebody accidentally sign up. So it's not, <laughs> it's not really shocking to me that you don't, you don't, you don't remember. And, and she got in the ring. I don't remember. I mean, it must've been really good. Whatever I wrote, like reeled you in somehow. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, do you remember how that all plays out? Because so a, a bell drops out. I remember a bell dropped out and we needed, and Nikki fit, she was the right size, the right age. And I remember going to, we met at like a church yes, so I could give yes, you yes, all of your, yes. all of your equipment. I think it was like Holliston or something. In Holliston. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I got to go meet this lady. She's giving me stuff. I'm going to do this fight. Like, yes. I don't know what's happening. It was very quick. Like when Julie called me, I was like, we had just opened our business. And so I was like, Julie, I'm poor. I have no babysitter. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, I really would love for you. And she's like, we'll make it work. And she was so great. And um, I asked Nathan, I was like, do you think I should do this? And he was like, absolutely not. Like, no, we're so busy. It's so dangerous. <laughs> and like, no. And so as soon as he was like, no, I don't want you to do this. I was like, I'm a hundred percent doing this. Like, done, you know, watched like the YouTube videos. And I was like, no one says I can't do things, but I'm going to do this. So it was a pretty easy decision after that. I remember you just hit the ground running. Uh, yeah. And then I remember going to visit you at Lucky Punch yeah. and you guys just, you dove head first. Yeah, I was ready. As soon as I'm like, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It's not going to be like a little bit. It's like, I'm like all or nothing, which is why like, I was like, do I want to do this? And I was like, you know what? you were going to do this and you were going to hit it a hundred percent. I called my mom. I was like, I need you to babysit all the time. Like I need all this help. And like, somehow I'm going to figure out how to have like young children and do this. Because I mean, when I saw the other girls, it was like, everybody was either like really young, like in their twenties and like not having any kind of like responsibilities besides their job or the women had like older children. So I was like the only one who had like babies. And I was like, Oh, sorry. I can't start. How am I going to, juggle having two really little children and like working and like a family and really train, but it worked. I made it happen, you know, early in the morning before they got up and then like late at night. And I just, I had to do it. How specifically? Cause I, like, as I'm thinking of that, cause I remember training you and yeah. I know we did early mornings, early mornings. We did middle of the day, like after I would teach. So I would do like early mornings okay. then I would go teach yoga and then I would meet you like in the afternoon or like at night, like weekends were really tough. Like Saturdays, Todd was like, you have to be here for like three hours on Saturday mornings. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get divorced. Like my husband hates me, but he knew and everyone knew how serious that I took it. And I feel like I couldn't over, I had to train. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. So I just figured it out. But looking back, I don't, I don't really know how, but you just make it work. Had you boxed before? No, I had never boxed before. I mean, I've always been kind of scrappy because I had a brother who was seven years older than me and he was obsessed with wrestling and he would be like, we're cage fighting. And I would like be bleeding and elbows and I was never like super girly. So I always thought I was like kind of scrappy and tough. I don't know. 
But when I got into boxing, I realized that that absolutely was not true. I was not tough. And Todd will tell you, I was either like crying. I should have been the crybaby instead of the animal probably shouldn't have been my name. Or I was apologizing. Like if I actually connected, I was like, I'm so sorry. Ugh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, it was either crying or sorry. Poor Todd. It was like my therapist. That's pretty common with women. <laughs> yeah. And coaches shut that down real quick. You had said in the beginning, I know I give all my fighters the kind of the talk about you're going to get to a point in training where you're going to have days where you're going to cry. <laughs> and you said, I don't cry. I'm not a crier. You said that you were not a crier. Yeah. But boxing brought out emotion in me. I like and, and I'm not really a crier. Like I don't usually cry. I don't have a lot of emotion. I'm not like that person that you would go to and be like, tell me your feelings. I'm usually pretty like tough skinned. But for some reason, getting into boxing, when I would hit someone or they would hit me, it was like so much emotion, which is probably why I love it so much, because it brings out a side of me that I don't always see. But yeah, I was like a mess all the time. I was like sobbing before, like after, like there was, my husband was like, who are you? And I was like, I don't know. It's a lot happening. Well, I think it's important for us to talk about, because you are such a unique alum of the organization, your connection to the cause is so profound. Would you mind walking us through what you faced in the past and ultimately kind of how you decided to go on this journey? Right. So that was like a, another thing. When I started meeting the girls, they were all like, when we had our halfway point, when we did our fight and I met the other bells because I joined late, I had never met the other girls. I only knew Lisa who was training with Todd but I didn't get to do the orientation. So none of the girls knew who I was or really knew anything about me. So when I showed up, they're like, oh, I'm fighting for my grandma and my mom or, you know, whatever, all their people. And they were like, who are you fighting for? And I was like, oh, myself, like I've been in remission for four years. And they were like, you know, because I was 34. So to like see someone with like pigtails and like me, like this tiny little person. And they're like, oh my God, you had cancer. And it was surprising because there was nobody else who had had cancer. And now that I've been following haymakers, I, I realized that that is rare. You guys don't have a lot of fighters who had actually had cancer. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. I had my first daughter, Lily, in... 2014 of November. And I had issues breastfeeding with her and her gaining weight and back and forth to the doctors, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, I was like, something is wrong here. And they were like, no, you're totally fine. Like, you do yoga and you're like physically healthy. And I'd never been sick a day in my life. But you just know, you know, something's wrong. Thankfully, I pushed and pushed and pushed, which is why I always advocate for yourself with doctors. And I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in March of 2015, which is rare, like 10% of breast cancers, extremely aggressive. You have no choice no matter what stage you are with treatment. It is absolutely chemo, surgery, radiation. That's all they have. There's no targeted therapies because it's not that it's new, but it wasn't talked about or heard of until after 2000. It's a newer form of, of breast cancer. So I went to Dana-Farber like two weeks later. I was like chemo. I did six months of chemo, um, double mastectomy. I was lucky to not have radiation, but 
I have no family history of cancer. Nobody in my family had ever had cancer. So it was just one of those like rare things where they were like, one doctor said to me, you had a better chance of winning the lottery. And I'm like, well, that would have been way better. (laughs) And that's what tied me to Haymakers because when I got sick, I was working at a yoga studio with Laura who ended up being a bell for 2015. So that kind of led me here. I remember her fight name was the Peaceful Warrior. Peaceful Warrior, yeah. I like that. I know. I was sad that she stole the warrior because I feel like that would have been such a great name too. Mm. Yes. Nikki, you mentioned that you were lucky not to have radiation. What do you mean by that? Um, with triple negative, it's always chemo before to make sure that the chemotherapy is actually working because there's no targeted therapy for triple negative. Your shot is chemo. So it has to work. So what they do, which sounds horrific, is they leave the tumor in and then they pump you full of different chemos and see if the tumor responds to it. Wow. The first set of chemo, they were like, actually, it's not working. So we're going to switch you, which is horrifying because that's your only shot. And so Mm. then they switched it. And then when I had surgery, it's what they call a PCR. There was no cancer left. They knew it had been there, but it had killed everything. So in their mind, that gave me a better shot at survival because if there was like any particles, if it killed that big tumor, it probably killed any like little stuff. So because I was so young, they were like, we do not want to radiate you with like bones and your heart and like all that stuff. So Of course, I didn't listen to them. And I went to other doctors to confirm to make sure. But yeah, I didn't end up having to have radiation, which I was like really thankful for. I like that you hinted to this earlier when you actually, you said about advocating for yourself. So here you are with no experience in advocating for yourself and you're still advocating for yourself really, really well by getting other opinions. What possessed you to, or caused you to sort of be that advocating for yourself? Well, my personality is is pretty strong. I mean, you can attest to that. Um, And I was um, doing my own research and and I felt like that was really important. I had never known anyone who had had cancer or breast cancer, especially, but I had known anyone who went through treatment and like, wasn't going to die. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like a different kind of cancer. And I just felt like I needed to know as much as possible. So I really like research and I would show up at my doctors with like stacks of paper and I'd be like, well, what about this? And like, what about this? And I just wanted to know as much as possible. So I just was always on it. And I knew that this was my one shot because triple negative, if it's going to come back, it's so aggressive that it's going to come right back. So you have one shot at it, you know, it's like your fight, you have one fight and then that's it because there's nothing else they can do for you. Like you walk out of, chemo surgery, radiation. And they're like, okay, like good luck because they just have no idea if it's going to come back. And if it comes back, you have like a couple of years, maybe it's just too aggressive. Thank God that you listened to yourself and you pushed for that because I don't think, I mean, I think it's a powerful statement for you to say, like advocate for yourself Yeah, because sometimes people will second guess themselves there. It's better to be wrong than to be right sometimes. Well, and especially the state of mind of like a new mom, like you talk about like postpartum and all that stuff. I mean, I was a new mom and I think Todd knows too. My brother had passed away a couple of years before I got sick. My mental state like wasn't the greatest. I had like just lost a sibling and then I had gotten pregnant and then I had had this baby and then like it was a hard time. And so for them to be like, you're fine, like you're fine. Like I kind of wanted to be like, I am fine because I wanted to be fine. 
but it's like, I just knew I wasn't. And Lily, honestly, I always say this to people saved my life because she knew something was wrong and she wouldn't breastfeed where the cancer was. She wouldn't take to that side. And so me stopping breastfeeding was the only way that I was actually able to feel the lump and know that something really was wrong. And so I always say that because in this world, everyone's like, oh, breastfeed and do this and this. And to be a good mom, you have to do this. And it was like, no, the world's going to show your kid knows, you know, your body and you have to listen to it because there's nobody looking out for you. The doctors are busy. They just don't have the time or the staff to like check on it. They want to give you a lotion and like send you away. So working with other breast cancer patients, which is, you know, what I've done since I've been in remission, I hear the stories over and over and over again. And if they had just been seen sooner, if they had just listened to that little voice, then they would have been able to be put into remission and they wouldn't be stage four and we wouldn't have women dying from this disease at like 30, 31 in their twenties. Like it's, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it, it makes me sad. When I first went in, I, I just had a big tumor in my leg, just big. And I went to my doctor and we, you know, he was like, it's fine. And I was like, okay, it's fine. And I would have just left it alone. But then my uh, fiance wife at the time, she just kept saying, that's not fine. The next year when I went back for my physical, like, can you look at it again? And again, he said, it's fine. And I knew it wasn't. Right. And then he said, you know what? Just to be on the safe side. And then, then things started to happen. And I know months before, I had just lost my grandfather to cancer. So then when I was told, oh, yeah, that's cancer, I was petrified. I just suffered a loss, just, you know, like you, just suffered a loss. Now I have it. I thought that was it. I was terrified. I'm like, you don't beat cancer. You hear about it here or there, but you don't beat cancer. But there was also a part of me, I'm like, I'm going to beat this. And not even I'm going to beat this. It was the idea of dying from it wasn't an option. Right. And that's not manifesting or I'm, you know, I'm putting it out in the universe that way. It just, it, that's how it felt. I'm like, I, I'm not going to die of right. this. For you, having your brother had passed away and your diagnosis is very serious. Yeah. How did you navigate through that and through having a brand new baby? Yeah. So I always tell women because I feel like with breast cancer, it's like so upbeat and people are like, oh my God, breast cancer, like it's the good kind of cancer and it's like 90% survival and it's so great. And, and that's great for them. And I'm happy for them that they like want to wear pink and they're all about it. But I was not that person. I went dark. My brother had just died. My dad had passed away a few years before that. I was like, just me and my mom. And I was like, this is it. Like, I was like, I'm not going to survive this. I didn't know anyone who had had cancer that had survived. And I was like, you don't get cancer at 30. Of course, it's like the most aggressive. It's the worst one. So I really thought that I was going to die. And I actually have a journal and I wrote Lily letters like every day because I just didn't know. Oh. I didn't know if she would know me. You know what I mean? Because she was so little. So I didn't go through treatment like we're going to beat this and like ring the bell. I went through everything like, okay, well, you're still alive today. And like, what can you do? And so I could research and I could educate myself and I could handle that. And I could spend time with the people I loved and I could do yoga and, and exercise and move. And I just took it like piece by piece. I have a picture and I'm holding up like a piece of paper and it's like, I did it for Lily, like last AC chemo. I didn't write last chemo ever because 
they weren't sure if I was going to need more chemo after the surgery because so much banked on like how much that chemo had worked. I'm an optimistic person, but I was not optimistic about it. I was like nervous. I was scared. And I think with cancer, people are so much like, you're so brave and like, you're so strong. And it's like, I'm not. I'm 30 years old. I have a three month old baby. I have a husband that I love. My mom just lost her husband and her son. And now her daughter has cancer. And like, I'm not strong. I'm surviving. And so I always tell new cancer diagnosed people like, you're surviving. You don't need to be a fighter. You don't need to be a cheerleader. You don't need to tell people you're okay. You're not okay. That's fine. No, I mean, you're not that like positive toxicity, you know, I think that that's important. So that's how I got through my journey. And then as I got further out, I got more peppy and optimistic. So when I met Todd and Julie, I was like, yes, like totally different than I was four years before. Now, when you were paired up with Todd as your trainer. Yeah. Lucky girl. Oh my God. Talk about lottery. I thank God every day for that. Did he already know your story and your very strong connection to the cause? I remember so specifically, Julia, I was having a conversation going over the options and I'm like writing it down and you're like, you can go here, you can go here. And like one guy, I was like, absolutely not like X that out. I won't name names, but I was like, not tough enough for that boxing studio. And then you told me that Todd was a cancer survivor. And I was like, that's it. Like, I just felt like I was like, you know what? He's going to get this. He survived cancer too. Yes. And then as soon as I met Todd, it was like an instant. I can generally like, I'm a people reader. I either love you instantly or like, I know we're not going to vibe. And there's like, no, I can't hide my feelings. So when I walked in and met Todd, I like remember our moment and he was like, Nikki. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Todd Paris. And I was like, okay, like, let's go, you know? And and I, I loved it as soon as I met him. It seemed like right away, there was this instant connection. Right away. And with Tracy too, as soon as Todd brought Tracy in, I was like, oh my God, like, thank God. And honestly, throughout the whole journey, I was like, that so thankful that they were my trainers because like, I'm a tough person. I love people and I'm like pretty easy going, but I was like full of emotion, which I didn't see coming. I was like terrified. Like I needed to be like pushed, but in like a gentle way, like Todd would be like, I'm coming to your left and I'm going to brush your shoulder. He was just so good. But then when I needed it, when he was like, listen, like you need to do this, you're going to do that. It was like the lo- like tough love thing. It was perfect for my personality for sure. One of the, my best memories of you was when we went to Nonantum Boxing and I was going to have you spar with Dina Love. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Dina's a, just a beast. She's an incredible boxer. She's, she's like an animal. She's so strong. So Nikki's just chatting away in the corner to me. And I'm like, I'm watching the clock tick down. It's like, you're going to be click, click, click. Bell rings. Nikki's like, la, la, la. Heads in. And Dina just put it on her. And to Nikki's credit, Nikki was fighting back. It was, it was really good. I always think of that. I always laugh. The other thing, when we talk about like Tracy, so Tracy Milan is another coach. Tracy's so good with the emotional and the psychological side of things. She's such an asset to have in the corner because she's so good at that. And you guys bonded so well. Oh, yeah. and the two of you would give me shit all the time. All the time. And it was just, but you, you two were so bond. I was a little jealous of how close the two of you were, but it was just, it was great. <laughs> 
Todd was like, I'm technically your coach. And I was like, so is Tracy going to be there? Like, what's going to happen? But Tracy, like, that's what I <laughs> needed from you guys. Because you guys, like, kept it light. Like, there was serious talk, right? I mean, because in the beginning, I was, like, timid. I had never been in a fight before. And with Lucky Punch, Todd has, like, killers. Like, all the girls were, like, they look so sweet. Like, I remember when I met Allie and they were like, she's a librarian. And then I'm like, they were so fast and they were not going to hold back on me. Like, Sam would punch me in the face and I would cry and she'd be like, get it together. There was no love that, you know what I mean? Serena's the only one who was like, it's okay, Nikki, like you got this, you know, sweet. But the rest of them are like, get it together. Like Allie was like, get it together. You're never going to win. It was not, Todd threw me to the wolves a little bit. Actually, if I think back to when you really threw me to the wolves, it was when we went to Boston boxing for that underground fight night. It was pit bulls, but like with people. And I had been boxing for like five weeks and Todd was like, it's going to be fine. They're going to match up with someone who's close to you and you're going to be totally fine. And it's fine. I show up in like pigtails and my athletic wear and I'm ready to fight. Totally fine. I forget her name, but she ended up winning the golden gloves. Was it Alyssa? Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 That was good. Yeah. If you can survive a fight night or a, a smoker at Boston boxing, yeah. if you can survive it, you're doing okay. But in the moment I was like, this is a lot, but it's what you need. Right. And it was, and it, it was really good for me because all my sparring and everybody who I fought with was so good that like when it came to like, I was ready. I felt like so ready. You really had to train. And I felt like, cause I boxed with these girls or women who were so amazing and so strong and so athletic that I felt prepared for my own fight. Do you think that having to have gone through treatment and all of the scariness, juggling a newborn baby, mortality, just being sick, chemo kicking your ass. Do you think that kind of prepared you to get in the ring and to give you the confidence or to be able to face yet another huge challenge? Do you think it impacted you? Yeah, that, that's what drove me. When I was training, I would have like a mantra and I was like, it's you or them and it's you. And I would like say it, you know, I was like big into, I mean, I was, I'm a yoga instructor. So that was very into like mantras and boxing for me is very like meditative. I get so into it. I could hear like what Todd will say, but I like to think about it. Like, I like how I'm like, I'm going to move to my right and I'm going to hit her with my left. And so I really started to love the sport. And so that drove me too, but I'm also really competitive. And I was like, I'm going to win. I'm a cancer survivor. I'm the only cancer survivor. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win. And I'm going to be this person that people can read my story and be like, she had cancer. She had babies. Like she had a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And then she did haymakers. Like I wanted to be a positive story for someone out there who was looking for a positive story. And so I, I wanted to be strong. And I never went into it thinking I was going to lose, which sounds so cocky, but I think that you need that. Like, don't go into it being like, oh, and I mean, I didn't even know Karen at all. The woman who I fought, she was from a different gym. She was the only one at that gym. She was like really quiet. And because I was 34 at the time, Todd and I couldn't figure out who I would have, right? Because I could have gone with the younger girls because I was going to hit 35, like right before the fight. So when I got Karen, I was like, shit, her boxing gym was like pretty hardcore. And I was like, oh my God, like, I just didn't know what I was going to like come <laughs> up with. So I trained and I told myself I was going to win. I had to, you ha I had to have that mindset. You guys had a great match. Yeah. I rewatched your fight yesterday. And 
you could see every second of the fight. You're in it every second. You're, she was yeah. too. You're both throwing punches, but you're fighting just like that. Like you were going to win. There was no if, ands, or buts about it. Even during when you would disengage and you're like, and it was just like, okay. And then right back to work. It was just, it's really, really impressive. I remember when we did the halfway point, cause I had only fought the girls who had been fighting. I hadn't fought anyone close to my level. And I was nervous and Todd was nervous and I was the first one up. And I remember I blacked out into it. And when it was over, we walked outside and Todd like comes and looks at me and he smiles and he's like, that was great. He didn't see it coming. I think that we were all like unsure of like what kind of a boxer I would be. And like, we were all like, yes. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Karen and I were different fighters at that point because we had only started training, but I felt like well matched with her. And I was like, she's good, but like, I'm okay. And I think that like, this is going to be all right. And if I just really train, like I can do this. And I felt like it was like a, it was a pivotal moment in my training when we had that halfway point. So fight night happens. You're there in front of, uh, it's at the house of blues, hundreds of people. And I remember in round three, they were chanting your name. Yeah. What is a moment like that? Like, now looking back, I wish I had enjoyed it a little bit more because I was like a little overwhelmed. And of course I was nervous because I was the 11th fight. So I had like, what? and some of the girls fights were so like, they were bleeding. And I was like, and Karen had like dropped so much weight and had trained so hard. Like I was one of those lucky people that got to stay at my weight. So like, I was like eating cheeseburgers and like candy and like the other girls were like, having their like special meals. And like, I was like trying to keep weight. Like I was like, fuck, I have to stay at 130, you know? And Karen had, had had to drop like 20 something pounds. I think her name was the bulldog and she was like a bulldog. She was like muscle and tiny. And I was like length. I was like a gazelle and she was like an animal. And I was like, "Ah." so I was like really focused, but I will say by round three, she was tired and I like, wasn't that tired because I really had trained for that. So I enjoyed the moment. I could hear them. And I was like, I mean, by round three, I just like felt like I had had it. Like I was like, I'm, I I felt like I'm going to win it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have, because I feel like I was like focused on the fight more than like the people. It can be hard to enjoy things when you're getting punched in the face. We punched a lot. There was a lot of hitting. Like, I don't know how, like, no one bled. Yeah. I wasn't, like, swollen because, I mean, we just, like, just kept punching each other. I mean, the one thing I had was my, I was fast with my punches. And so I didn't have a lot of power, but I had a lot of speed. And I knew that that was, like, an asset for me. So, like, if you watch my fight, it's just, like, nonstop, nonstop. Like, right, left, right, left, move. You know what I mean? So I don't know how. I made it now how I made it through that. You were accurate because you both were just trading Uh shots. It was just punch, punch, but just a nonstop slugfest. And then you started just hitting targets. You were super accurate. Yeah. So that's one thing I love about boxing is that I like the mind part of it. Like I like thinking about where I'm going to hit them and like what will work for them. And it's like, if they drop their hands a little bit and I can come around or like underneath, like no one does the body enough. And even though Karen was smaller than I was, she was like up a lot. And so I would hit her in the body. And so I love that part. And so I definitely was like thinking about it. And I was listening for Todd to tell me what to do. Not every fight ends at the bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to Haymakers than just boxing? 
We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers. Or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. Having had the cancer that you had and being, at least in your mind, like that close to death, did that change you at all? Oh, yeah. My husband always says that he's on life like number 12 because I've changed so much. Um, if you met me before, I, I mean, I guess at this point I've come back around a little bit to who I was, but I mean, it's completely changed me. I mean, when I got sick, I was like working full time and, and I was like unsure I even like wanted to have kids because I didn't want to like slow down and I wasn't like as much physical and I definitely wasn't into like meditation or like any of that kind of stuff. And so I feel like for me, after I got sick, I tried to go back to who I was before because I just wanted to be normal. And then that life just like didn't fit with me anymore. Do you know what I mean? There's just certain things like there was friends that like I was no longer friends with and there was things that I no longer like to do. And it it gave me like not the okay, but I just realized that, you know what, if I don't want to go out or if like I don't want to hang out with you and I want to like sit home and watch Netflix alone, I'm going to sit home and watch Netflix alone. I feel like it gives you that like, Okay. And, and I a hundred percent probably would not have done haymakers. I wouldn't have had the courage to do it. I would have been nervous and, and I never liked to do physical things. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of lazy in general, but I, after I was sick, I found this like drive and now I love to do anything physical. I don't want to look good. I want to feel strong. That's like really important to me. And so, yeah, I feel like it can change everything. I mean, my job changed completely my life changed completely. You can't come out of that kind of treatment and that kind of scare and not be forever changed. Julie, what about you? Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, as you get older, you know, Nikki, like your husband said, like wife 12, you're still always your same person, but you can go through different iterations, I guess. And I think I said this prior, but through struggle comes growth and you just learn and kind of like transform and become a different person. And I think, you know, going through treatment and then kind of the depression that followed after and then digging myself out of it, I'm a different person than I was back when I was um, like 22, 23, 24, really just kind of trying to figure things out. Yeah. It's still that like, um, not the sense of security, but like, I feel like most people walk through life and they don't really like you know, you're going to die, but you don't like really think about it. Right. There's like that comfort. And once you have cancer, the doctors are like, we don't know, you know what I mean? Like you might die. I think that you lose that. And so it changes, it it hardens you like a little bit, but it also makes you enjoy everything. I feel like I look up at the sky. Like I love animals. There's things that you wouldn't notice before. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, the sunset is beautiful. And then you see other people like not paying any attention to it. I feel like Each day you find like something great about it because you're like so glad that you're still here. Everything I want to do, like I just had my 20th high school reunion and like everybody was like, I don't want to go like, uh," and I'm like, I'm alive. You know what I mean? I never thought that I would see my 20th high school reunion. So like, I'm going to go. My kids are annoying, but like, I'm going to take them to do these things because I'm alive to do it. It has to change you. I feel like you enjoy things more and you respect things more and you realize that you never know what could happen. Yeah. A cancer diagnosis definitely slams the brakes on like any autopilot of life you had potentially going on Yeah, and just reframes everything. Yeah. You don't make like a plan for like 10 years from now. You're like, all right, this is what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to do next week. And I feel like you, and you really enjoy that thing that you get to do. 
like I loved haymakers because I was strong enough to do it. Like I was like, this is great. My body can do this, you know, like, whereas I feel like some of the other girls are like, Ooh, getting up in the morning. And like, but I was like, this is awesome. We're going to punch each other. We're going to like run around. Like I enjoyed that part of it. Like being strong enough felt so good. That was such a great part of training you because you really did. You just brought this joy about the training. It was never, you know, we'd throw you on the Jacob's ladder and you, I was just like, oh, you're just happy to do it. I was like, yeah, it's five in the morning. Like, let's get on the ladder. And I would be like, am I going to pass out? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I loved it. And I liked the experience of it. And anytime I get to experience something new and I get to like push my body to like a new limit, it's exciting for me. So yeah. I hope I rubbed Mm. off on the girls with that. I think you did. It seems like other people who participate, not just like women, but other participants, like sometimes you'll talk to them and they'll say like, oh, I have to go to training. I have to do this. Do you think that you approached it like, I get to do this. I get to go to the gym. I get to train. Yes. I approach everything with I get to do this. Yeah. And I say that when, I mean, because you guys know that, like I'm a personal trainer and I, I do like more physical things than yoga. Now haymakers like actually paved the way for that. And I say that like when I'm teaching, when it gets really hard, I'm like, if you can change your mindset to, I get to do this versus I have to do this. That's it. That's when it all comes together because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to work out. Like you don't have to eat that way. Like you don't have to come here. It's a privilege to have a body that can physically withstand any kind of workout, whether it's walking, running, boxing, anything. So I approach all my workouts that way. And I approach generally everything, but especially with haymakers. And that's why I loved it so much. And that's why I trained so much. I mean, Todd was like, you should do this. And like, but he was like, so sweet. And I was like, I'm going to train like five times a day. Like, I I just loved it. Like, I was like, I'm going to run today. I'm going to do stuff with the weights. And like, I'm like, what else can we do? I found it so fun. I miss it. I'm waiting for the alumni so I can do it again. If you could tell someone who's about to embark on this four-month boxing journey just one thing, what would you tell them? To do it. To do it and do it 100% and that there's, there's no such thing as overtraining and to really enjoy every piece of it because it goes by really fast. Why should someone sign up to participate? Uh. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you sign up to participate? I try to get people to sign up all the time. And I'm like, listen, I will help you. I will train with you. Cause you know, I got certified to be a boxing trainer. Like I I do that like now on the side. I mean, I don't like fight with people, but I teach them, you know, the, the punches and whatnot. I'm like, you should do this. It is such an amazing experience. Not only are you helping people, you're advocating, you're raising so much money. I mean, I raised over like $20,000. Like it's, it's so important. Any charity is great. And I do all different charities, but Haymakers is my favorite. And it was my favorite because I just loved the experience. You guys are so organized. It's like you get all this free swag, which is like, I'll do anything for like a hat. Like literally, if you just said I would have got like a free sweatshirt, I would have signed up 100%. But I just think it's so great. Like what it does, you come out of it differently. You feel stronger. It changes like your outlook on things. Boxing is something that like, if you love it, if you connect to it, it's a life-changing thing, right? And so the experience of haymakers is something that you're never going to get again. And I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to experience that. What has the experience given you? What have you gotten after the bell? I was a yoga instructor when I did haymakers. And I didn't do like any kind of strength training. I was very like 
lengthy and like long at that point. I, I just, I had been coming back from cancer treatment, so I hadn't really like gotten into it. And so haymakers made me really strong and it made me realize that like, I loved that kind of stuff. So after haymakers, I went on to become a personal trainer, a boxing trainer. I mean, and I love boxing. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not like somewhere boxing or I'm in my basement boxing. I mean, I don't spar anymore, but I get the gloves out with the kids or like someone that I'm training because I love the sport. And if my husband wouldn't divorce me, I would absolutely fight again. I just loved it so much. My job changed completely. I actually don't even teach yoga anymore. I only do like more physical oh, wow. stuff. Wow. Yeah. I love that drive. And with my personality, I would have to like tone it down to teach yoga. And with teaching like what I'm doing now, it works. And I love like watching them change and become stronger. And I love becoming stronger. And so I feel like Haymaker has really like paved the way to be like, you're strong enough to do this and you're strong enough to help people do this. And so, yeah, I feel like it changed a lot. And my kids like think I'm super badass because I show them the video. I think that helps too. You are badass. I try. Think about everything you've accomplished. You're an animal. It's true. Thank you so much. You have such a, just a profound story and just how you approach it and share it is just really, really inspiring. And we thank you for, you know, opening up. Of course. You're so alive. And I just, I love that. You're just so alive. I'm very animated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like if I can do something to help, you know, it makes it worth it, right? If I had cancer and then I just went on to not talk about it and live this quiet life and not do anything to help someone else, there's no stories out there. I looked for someone to give me some sort of hope because I was so dark and I just wanted one story or someone who was like young like me or a mom like me or, or anything. And so I feel like the more I can voice what I went through and that like, you know what, it's not okay, but someday it's going to be okay. And someday you might go back to who you were or someday you might be better. You might be stronger. Then I just, I feel like I have to. And, and I love to. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not every fight ends at the bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with Studio Pod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell. 